Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast is the football podcast, uh, but we've got help this week. Uh, it's too big a podcast for mere mortals, so we've got some superheroes in to help us. Uh, we got the uh, the Getting Over crew to come over and help out with uh, the Riverside Roundup. Stu and Matt, uh, Paul and myself talk uh, the crazy week of football. So there's that. If you're checking us out on YouTube, then uh, I imagine you're a YouTube subscriber. So if you are a YouTube subscriber, grab a friend, get them to click that button as well, make them a subscriber. You can subscribe on all audio platforms, so if you like your audio, then uh, do subscribe as well. So here we go. This is CookieCast, the Riverside Roundup. Right then, you uh, you lovely YouTube people might be confused in thinking that uh, we're doubling down on wrestling podcasts this week. That's not the case. This is absolutely football, and I'll I'll get Paul to do the intro shortly. Um, but uh, Matt heard uh, about the petition to instate uh, Stu as the as the new co-host of uh, of the football podcast, and Matt was like, "I'm not having that." absolutely not having that so uh he's put his application in and what we've done here is we've decided to do like a like a live interview basically you know so uh basically there'll be a way of voting voting up and down for uh who you think should take the, take the job and with it the massive salary that it comes with so uh so yeah uh but we're jumping ahead somewhat paul let these lovely people know what we're here for Given the news this week, obviously, welcome to YouTube's greatest European Super League podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, sorry, I've, I've, I've jumped ahead of myself there. It's definitely the uh, the Riverside Roundup. It's uh, well, I suppose now we can say Europe's greatest Middlesbrough-based Championship Roundup podcast. I mean, some some would already no argue. Here, so, some would already argue. With being lasted longer. Second tier, second tier nonsense. I was going to say, like, obviously, the, uh, the 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 date in the uh, in in the corner there would indicate what day it is. And if the Tigers had taken care of business yesterday, we might have been talking a little bit different about the old second uh, second tier podcast. But sadly, they uh, they couldn't do it, could they, Stu? <laughs> They were they were relying on other results as well, and they didn't lose. So um, I suppose well, it's only is, fair. that that was that was definitely true. So you wait till Saturday when they absolutely will lose. So Paul's right. It's Riverside Roundup, and um, we have a format, and it's an amazing format. I love it. It's tight. It keeps things real tight. But I think 
personally I think we can jump through some of it this week because our first segment of the Riverside Roundup podcast is uh, a segment we call This Week in Football. Now, as basically nothing has happened this week in football, I already know, I don't need to ask Paul, nothing has happened this week in the football world. Nothing that involved uh, being on absolutely every single news station uh, ever. Um, it definitely Nothing that involved having to get the uh, the Prime Minister involved to, uh, to to sort it out. And nothing that uh, is on every single social media feed across across everything. Um, so, I think we can just skip past this week in football and move straight on to the book, yeah? It's not a situation where Paul yeah, had, yeah, had, to put out the, uh, had to put out the call to get not one, but two other men to come and help him unpack this week in football. That's not the situation. So, uh, so yeah, we'll get the, I'll get the book out, yeah? No? Or, or, or did something happen that I've not heard anything yeah, about? Some, some, something did happen this week in football, actually. Uh, we, we, we found out who the... Uh, combatants will be in this year's FA Cup final and that was the only thing that happened over the course of this weekend oh okay so, that... oh, congratulations to Chelsea and Leicester and let's move on shall we so okay so last week we uh... <sighs> right so so I was going yes, to say unless, unless obviously you've been living in a cave or with your head buried inside something no the, the biggest news of this week is that the um the European Super League was announced, widely condemned, and then almost as quickly it was, for want of a better phrase, shit canned. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> where, where where do we start? I mean, do we take a do so what I was what I was going to say, this, or do we just dive straight in? What I was going to say was for for the layman, for for me, a man that knows less than zero about football, take it from the top. Start start before it all started, and let's have a blow by blow of the absolute shit show that has happened over the last few days. So, I suppose the, the the easiest way to describe it. So, I was I was sat on the sofa last night, and Amy actually turned to me and said, "Don't go into massive detail, but I've seen it everywhere. What's this European Super League? Or I think the phrase she said was, "What's this? What what the hell's the Super League that everyone's going wild about and stuff like that?" So, I tried to explain it in as base terms as I could, she then said to me, what I understand is is it's it's as if like the UK, France, Germany, Spain and like Italy decide they want to do Eurovision, but they're the only five nations that can enter and can win it. And I was like Yeah that's that's not the as that's a, not the worst as analogies ever, go to be fair. Not a bad one. It would be also very much like Eurovision in the sense of nobody gets kicked out for doing badly either. It 
it's it's basically kind of wanting to make football into and kind of it, it's kind of made me laugh kind of the, the jingoistic kind of it, I've, I've, I've oscillated with it as the, as the days have gone on, have gone along um, but basically what what happened was they wanted to create a, a kind of sealed off kind of leagues a la the NFL the NBA the major league baseball kind of and as Graham soon as said the American sport um, which was the kind of jingoistic kind of rant that it went on kind of as if say, well, we're British, we're better than this. And I'm like, are we? Are we really? Because uh, Tottenham are owned by British people. So, you know, that kind of pisses on that kind of fire. Um, yeah, it's, they just, uh, yeah, I don't want to kind of take over kind of things, but. Uh, Man, know, Man United we, might we, be owned by an Irishman soon. Oh, I, mean, I saw this. I saw this, yeah. A particular fighting Irishman. Mm, the fighting Irishman himself. Cop McGregor wants to buy... But he hasn't got enough money to buy money. So, Is apparently, he? that's what everyone said, and then somebody looked into it and was like, mm, yeah, he can. He, he has got yeah. enough. So, it was like, right. all right. Fair enough. Wow. I, I think, like, you know, we, we've spoken about this before, and it... it it's the kind of natural progression from the greed in football, you know, and I'm quite happy to throw the team that I support under the bus. 30 years ago, they started a league that, fair enough, it didn't fully seal off football, but they wanted to separate themselves so they formed the Premier League and that meant more money and more kind of rights and individual rights to, to football. And then... UEFA followed suit with the Champions League. They moved the old European Cup into the Champions League when, for what reason, to create little mini leagues to sell more TV rights, stuff like that. And then obviously the clubs that have got rich from that have gone, well, hang on a minute, we want more of the pie because, oh shit, we're broke after the past 18 months of not being able to have fans in our stadium. We want to start recouping some of the money. So what we want to do is seal that thing off to make sure that we don't have like Liverpool have done this season you know, I can, we'll talk about the spuds in a minute because they really fucked me off but you know teams like Arsenal and team, teams like Arsenal, teams like Man United teams like Chelsea and it, it's you can kind of understand them because maybe their business model is built on have been in the Champions League each year because they have been for so many years I don't understand why Real Madrid and Barcelona need to because they're in there every fucking year because their their leagues are terrible because their leagues you know they win their league every year P you know, PSG weren't in it you know but like Juve and AC Milan and whichever other Italian club were involved in it their league's terrible so they're in the yeah, Champions League each year and you just think yeah that. It's kind of like, oh, the guy from Juventus has has been the main ringleader. I don't believe that for one minute. I I honestly think it's the English clubs that go, right. We're expecting to get forty, fifty, sixty million each year from the from the from being in the Champions League. And oh shit, there might be some years where we're not because obviously Man United haven't been in it the past few years, and their revenue has fallen. But Spurs are a joke because. You know, they're just jumping on the coattails of it. 
for me, they're the worst example of the group because they're the ones that have. It, it's purely purely a money thing. The other teams would regularly, like you say, be there anyway on merit. They're not guaranteed that. They're just doing it because they're like, I'll get my checkbook out so I can join the big boys. It's like, yeah, I, that I, I don't have the same dislike for the Spurs that that you may have, Matt, but this has definitely soured them further than 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 it had previously for me. It's it's not just kind of the unrest it's it created over the last two or three days though either. It's it's now the unrest that it creates going forward because I'm pleased in one respect of it set the precedent of people aren't gonna get away with it because everybody revolted and, and all the rest of it. And obviously it's created this U turn but it's it's then like people like we on the back of it all we had Ed Woodward's uh, resignation from Manchester United or saying that he'll step down at the end of the year and there's the whole thing about the FA having this fit and proper persons test when you have to buy a football club well that that's obviously thrown by the wayside as well because if these people can come in and do this and they're allowed to essentially try and rip out the heart of like, I, I mean, you, you can listen to Sky Sports, BT Sport, and all the rest of it about how you know it is. Football is the jewel in 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 Britain's crown, and all the rest of it. And I mean, I wouldn't quite go that far, but basically, especially over the last eighteen months, two years, like that's probably been the main export realistically because they've been able to sell TV rights because that is the one thing that's continued when everything else has has been rubbish and it is it is a it is a big deal and like if people are going to come in and try and use that for their own gain like further than ever before then i'm i'm i i, I the stuff that's come out in the last couple of days about have the fa got enough power no no they haven't and i do i, I am very much on the side of the people who want the regulators but also at the same time we had regulators in the FA, and look what that did. So it's kind of where do you stop with it as well? Like it, it. I guess ultimately, like you say, it's not. It's not just. Oh, look at all this bad feeling that's come up this week. But everything will go back to normal. I don't think it. I don't think it will. Like, I think it, it will. Leave sour, I think that's the worst thing. time. It's the worst thing about it is that it's this kind of like oh you know you need to take your club back you need to do this you need to do that we need to make sure that you know. You see people posting lists of things that fans need to do, and you kind of think it's it's impossible. It's the, it, the you know there's no way you know if even if we looked at, at looked at our own clubs, and you know fair enough, like Middlesbrough run pretty well, and Steve Gibson's been a relatively good owner, but you know your you know Hull's owners. Uh, just sitting there waiting to just cash out, or yep. but then just seem to be digging their heels in anyway. The club that I support, you know, Nottingham Forest are on like the third or fourth, you know, a, a different owner doing a different thing and throwing money at it, and you know, an absentee owner, and you know, and, and I, I saw some stuff over the past few days. Oh, you know, yeah, we need to get a British owner who understands football. And I'm like. Well, you know, he does own Olympiacos, so he kind of understands football. It's not, it, 
you know, I don't want to get into this kind of narrative of oh these dirty foreigners coming over here and buying our football clubs and stuff like that. But you know, and this kind of and and, and the thing last night of Graham Souness, I thought it was really egregious because the people who who push forward this narrative about football, you know, and it's there that you know because we'll be coming up to it, you know. It, well, it's not coming up quite soon, is it? But be coming up in August, and you know, you'll get the Vickery's rubbing his legs attitude in Sky Sports as people spend more and more money on shit players to bring into the Premier League. And that, what's his name, Jim, whatever guy is there, and he's like, oh, you know, and he's like, he might as well be Vickery's on shooting stars, rubbing his thighs about each deal that comes through the door, and. And, you know, I think someone else pointed out the fact that it wasn't, you know, it's was only a few days ago that Sky Sports were chasing um, Alfinger Harland and, um, and whatever his son's agent is around the world as they're trying to negotiate a £130 million transfer where his lad's going to get paid a million pound a week. And, and it was gratuitous. Right. And, their their attitude to it, look at that, that money kind of thing, and then because the stuff that they've invested in, in terms of the Premier League, in terms of the Champions League, because that was all, all going to be made, made worthless by this European Super League, they were shitting all over it, and they let people like Gary Neville shit all over it. And I'm not saying what he was saying was wrong, but it's kind of like. Yeah, but how much how much a year do you get paid to sit and talk and tell everybody about how great the Premier League is and how good the players are and and you know how Man United should be doing this and Liverpool should be doing this and how they're far better than everybody else and I think it, it's not going to happen but it, it should be a time where football sits and looks at itself because we've got clubs going out of business. You know, Macclesfield have gone out of business. Bury have gone out of business. Like original clubs, clubs that have been there for years. You know, you look at kind of the way that some clubs are run, and you know, Bolton are absolutely like in the toilet because of the way that they've been run. And there's no, you know, like even like Port Vale, they they really struggle to kind of keep on going each year and it kind of jumps from you know panic to panic to panic to panic and in the meantime Man United is sat at the front at the top of the you know top of the money going oh shit we've only made 70 million pound profit this year that's not good enough we've got to screw everybody else over and but there's not going to be that reset for the whole of British for English football because you know they don't the, 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 the top clubs don't want to share the money and like I said I'm not you know Nottingham Forest were one of the original people that set up the Premier League they wanted the money unfortunately the first year that we were in there we got relegated because we were shit and, and then we kind of yo-yoed up and down and missed out on the money but we can't kind of people can't sit there and look at this kind of 
dream back to years gone by of like 30, 40 years ago where football was football and they were part of the community and stuff like that because that ship sailed 30 years ago. It didn't sail two years ago, two days ago, sorry. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna come back. But it, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, it, so what, what I was gonna say, what, what it all boils down to is that obviously when when the first when the first lockdown happened, and obviously football was one of the first things that got stopped because it was you know a mass gathering. They couldn't they couldn't guarantee the safety of the players and whatnot. Um, and then obviously, so there was no football for what it was at least ten weeks or something. So it was obviously if it was March of twenty twenty. When obviously everything sort of came in or April of twenty twenty potentially, and we didn't get football back until well into May, possibly even June of twenty twenty was when it all sort of like restarted, and then on on Sky Sports they had this project restart thing that Gary Neville was at the front at the forefront of um, being a proponent of. Um, now obviously from a <laughs> Sky Sky played a bit of a blinder there because Gary Neville was going in as a pundit, but obviously everyone knows that he's going into it as an owner or a part owner of a league club because obviously he's he's part of the ownership of Salford City. So he's got a bit of a he's got a, if they couldn't have got a better person there because he's got a foot in both camps there. He's got the foot of. He's got the ownership side from a from a football league club, and he's got the part of he's there every week covering the Premier League, which is their main cash cow, and like brings in all the viewers, brings in all the brings in all the money and whatnot. And I think he was one of the proponents that was arguing that Project Restart or Project Big Picture, I think as as they sort of covered at the time, was a, was a a very good idea for the the modernisation of of British football. And I think it was rejected out of hand, and it, it just got put on the back burner. And then obviously there was the, um, I think it was like the solidarity package or something that was was paid out by all the Premier League clubs, where they agreed to pay a certain amount that was then filtered down the down the leagues. Um, the majority of which, hopefully, should have gone to the League Two and the League One clubs because they are going to be the ones that are going to struggle the most. And then. That allowed them to finish the season that was already in place, and then hopefully over the course of the of the of the off season, get their books balanced, and then prepare for the upcoming season where they were either able to get grants from the FA or loans from the FA or the local council where it was applicable and stuff like that. And it just seems as though the best. I'm 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 sure they had the best intentions when they first outlined those sort of things. But I suppose you have to look at it from both sides, I suppose. And obviously the Premier League clubs, they're not, they are a business at the end of the day. And it's not, their main concern isn't, shall we give, Five million quid, ten million quid, or whatever, to teams like Berry to make sure they don't go out of business. Because 
as far as they're concerned, we've run our books like well. We've we've kept the club on an even keel and stuff like that. But you can understand that. But then obviously you have to look at the side of if they don't do that, then there's not going to be those clubs there to then bring the cl- bring the players through their academy, get it, get them into the first team, and then produce the players that the Premier League clubs will then buy to then put into their squad, put into their academy, get better and then produce to the next level and so on. It's it's a tricky sort of line to run, really, because you need, there does need to be balance. And I think that's where Gary Neville summed it up perfectly, where he said it, it, it needs to be governed and run by a completely neutral external party. So the FA shouldn't be in charge of dealing with the money or the Premier League shouldn't be in charge of dealing with the money side of things. It should be dealt with by an external regulator who should who should basically come in, clean house, get everything basically back down to brass tacks, basically just get, for a start, the 92 league clubs, assess the situation across the board. Everyone would just basically need to do their due diligence and get a set of books in place for this independent adjudicator to basically come in, look at, see which clubs are absolutely on their arse, and then basically say, right, let's say the pot of money, let's pick pick a figure out, like, let's say five billion. So so the the British football pyramid, on a regular basis, contributes five billion pounds to whatever needs to be run they would then distribute that money into the places where it's needed the most and it would filter down rather than it goes to the people who have already got absolutely loads of money and then it's basically just recycled through their means to absolutely no benefit to grassroots football, lower league football, amateur football. And it's it's like it it would almost become a self-policing system and that's that's where Gary Neville hit the, hit, the, hit the nail on the head for me obviously yes clubs have to take accountability and police themselves but there does need to be almost a 50-50 they do it themselves but there needs to be a regulator there as well that's there to sort of make sure that the rich don't keep getting richer and that the, the money is recycled through the whole of the pyramid We've talked about that week in, week out. There's been there's been this sort of where's the solidarity? You know, anytime that there's talk of clubs banding together, putting a bit of money in, keeping the clubs that are, are failing from from going out of business, even if it's just small loans that keep the doors open for now. You know, like I say, loans. Nobody's asking for for handouts as such. If they could just say, look, we've got a shed load of money. You are about to go out of business. Let's sort that out now and and deal with the rest later. But there's zero solidarity in a spot. And the thing is, between the different leagues, if it was like we're talking like football at the top and then like lacrosse and then like hockey and, you know, if it was a different sport for each league... 
I could understand football sitting at the top and being like, well, we're football. Why the hell should we help out, you know, the 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 Saturday afternoon hockey match? I could I could sort of understand the mentality there. But it's all supposed to be football. And when it's just, oh, like you say, oh, we only made 70 million profit this year. That That's not on. Then I think we know where the, the priorities lie. I think as well, what you said there is obviously like it, it would boil down to loans rather than grants or whatever, or, or like you said, handouts. I think, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Obviously, so the majority of us have now been out of grounds for over a year. Obviously, there was there was a little bit of a change when um, the change of regulations, I think it was up to a 1,000 people could be in for certain games. In the grand scheme of things, that's what? Less than a percentage of the local population for each club that was allowed in. So you're going to be at the point now where... The majority of people who enjoy football, if you were to basically end the, the, the sort of the regulations that are currently in place, this might be different for Stu because of his personal feelings towards the club that he supports at the moment. And we don't need to go into that again. He's, he's made those feelings perfectly clear. Might be slightly different for, for Matt as he doesn't live close to the, the place that he supports but if we were to sort of snap our fingers and say that from this coming weekend regulations are lifted grounds can open to full capacity would anyone be able to now say that there's a football fan that they wouldn't actively look to go to any ground or any club that they held personally close to them that they wouldn't want to go in pay their hard-earned cash to go and pay to watch a football game within the next two weeks. They wouldn't be able. They wouldn't be able to to like if they could duplicate their stadiums many times over. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be able to do it enough times to exactly. for the number so, of people that would want tickets. From this from the point, from the point of view of the loan. Sorry, Matt. From the point of the loan, like the, the loans that we discussed, just due to like ticket receipts and things like that. Clubs would be able to pay that money back within the next couple of weeks, couple of months, and so on. And and if they were able to sort of arrange what needs to be done, that money could just be forgotten about and repaid within the next two to three months. It wouldn't even be an issue. I think I think that's where the difficulty lies, though, because at this exact point in time, where this has all hit the fan and if, if that was to be an option, like, when is that going to be, realistically? Because it ain't going to be two weeks. It might not even be two years still at this rate because there are people that are deciding if they're going to have the vaccine. If they're not going to have the vaccine, if they're at the bottom of the list and they're going to get the bit out of the drip tray part of the vaccine. Like, people, like, it, it's not going to be fixed in a fortnight and ultimately that money that is going to be given out in loans... Yes, if it's from the bigger clubs, they're going to obviously last longer. But if if teams, perhaps that are maybe lower down, like the pecking order in in the Premier League, so like the teams that are regularly reside around, uh, like the bottom six, if they're going to be then forced to give out part of their money, that then they might not get back for three or four years. But they have actually spent on players in the meantime. They're going to need that. Yeah. So it, it's 
it's where do you find that balance? I take your point. If if it was finished in two weeks, fine. Like, or if it was finished in six months, fine. If there was a definite time period on it, but like with everything else in the world at the moment, like, when's it going to be? Like, things no, are. I, sta- I, I, that. I, I get that perfectly, and obviously, like, <laughs> you've you've all been there before, Middlesbrough. Not not the greatest when it comes to sort of economic growth. Like, you know, as, as far as, like, sort of the people who live in that sort of community, they don't have a great and, deal. And, and that was going to be, that was going to be my next point, is that, you know, we could, you know, like, kind of, I think, for me, it's shown, it's sh- it's sh- it shone a light on the greed in football. And it's not just the greed at the top, it's the greed all the way down. Like, you know, my dad's, my dad's, doesn't you know? Because I said to my dad, "Are you going to the Vale when you can?" He's like, "No, it's thirty-five quid." Jesus, who wants to go and watch League One football for thirty-five pounds? And yet, League Two, whatever. Yeah, and you just think you can't, you can't bitch and moan about your ground not being full because they get two thousand people, and you know, I take piss out of Stoke on Trent all the time. It's a big enough city to fill two stadiums worth of, of, of football. But because the Vale have taken the, the direction of that amount for a football ticket, they only get 2,000 people. Whereas if you reduce the amount of, of, for, your, for, your, for your gate, then you get more people in there. You know, And they're a decent side. They, apparently they play decent football, as my dad yeah. says anyway. But you know, Forest is forty quid, forty five quid. I, I don't want to. I don't want to pay that. It's dog shit. You know, I watch it on telly. It's bad enough yeah. watching it on telly and paying your money for Sky Sports to watch it. I sure as hell don't want to pay sixty quid in petrol and another forty odd quid to go and watch Forest and just be disappointed. And I think it's it's it shone a light on the sheer greed of you know. And I'm not. I'm not being stupid. I know that when I started going to the football, like with my mates, like kind of 13, 14, 15, that it was a fiver because it was in the mid-90s. But what you're saying to me is, that, you know, fair enough, I was getting children's prices, but children's prices can be 20, 25 pounds. It's five times more expensive than what it was 20, Take- 30 years ago. Yeah, like you say, ticket ticket prices haven't they haven't exactly grown with inflation, have they? It's like yeah. you say, it just it's just it's just greed. It's grown with it's, it's yeah. grown with greed. greed. Yeah, it's grown with greed. People just want more yeah. money. And it and it this is where like <laughs> I've come back to it again, but it needs that independent adjudicator where they need to come in and just clear the house and set a precedent across the board. I mean, they did it. To a certain extent, in the Premier League, where they said that all away tickets for the twenty clubs would would be capped at thirty pounds maximum, and it was like, oh, brilliant! That's that's great. Problem there is, if you go to the Arsenal as an away supporter, you're paying thirty pounds. The home supporters have to go nineteen times a season; they're probably paying eighty-five quid or whatever, and it's like. Fair enough, as an away supporter, you only have to pay that once a season, but for the for the poor bastards who have to pay it 19 times, they have to take out a second mortgage to go and watch their team 
and obviously like we all support teams that are in the north and <laughs> it's it's still ridiculous like you say Port Vale's bad enough I mean the last time I went to a Borough game it was the better part of 30 quid and that's just it's just not acceptable it's just that's nothing, a, you I'm, I'm not being can justify charging that price it's, it's, it's I'm not crazy. being con- you don't want to come across condescending but it's a that is a very poor area of the country. Yeah. You know, employment's really high. The job situation is not like if, if you have a job, it's not a well-paid job, and you're still charging thirty pounds. I think there's this all this kind of you know. It made me laugh because you know there's John Henry today giving his statement, apologising to the supporters and understanding his massive fucking house. Yeah, you know, and fair enough. He's, I don't, I, you know, he's obviously done very well for himself and all that kind of thing. But it's going to be interesting when the season starts. Next, you know, when, when supporters are allowed in, are the ticket prices going to go up? Because you can tell that you can tell fans that oh yeah, we're listening to you and we care about you and we care about the club and we understand that we messed up and all that kind of thing. And then you're going to go, yeah, well, we're going to stick an extra fiver on the tickets because, you know, we haven't had it, we haven't been in for the past year. And the problem is, they'll still go. They'll still go because there was a guy on there when they were talking about the European Super League. I think he was a Man United fan. And they're like, oh, well, so will you boycott the European Super League? Oh, no, no, I'll still go. Right, you're a fucking idiot. And you're part of the problem. You know, and this is the thing. Until, I'm not saying, I'm, I, I hate it when rise up, boycott football, all this kind of thing. It's never going to happen. But when you've got people like that that are like, yeah, I'd, I'd sell my wife if it meant that I could go to the match on, on a Saturday. You know? It, <laughs> that What you're saying as well, that was one of the things I picked out in, in the week when all this was kicking off about, like, they were all saying how bad it was, but yet not... Sky Sports, not BT, not BBC, not anybody issued a statement that said, if it's that bad, we just won't pick up the rights for it. If, if, they've, got, if they've got no TV outlet, they've got no product. Like, the, that would have been the simple solution at the beginning of all of it, and not one of them said, yeah. we carry it because. On that regard, the only thing I did see to that, to that extent was that Gary Lineker was the only person of that sort of ilk that came out that said that he wouldn't be involved with any broadcast for it. So he actively said that if it went ahead, he, so if, so if for example, BT picked it up, he actively wouldn't be involved in the broadcast of the stuff. So fair play to Gary Lineker for that. I mean, he didn't need to come out and say that, but he obviously feels that he needed to say it so that people but- were aware of it. But yeah, everyone, everyone giving everyone who gave Gary Neville a round of applause when he was ranting and raving, he never said that he wasn't going to be involved in it. He didn't. No, he definitely didn't. Yeah. I think uh, um, I've just got to. Like you like said there, but the, with the, with, oh, go on, Paul. Sorry. No, so you you go ahead. I was just seeing if I could find it quickly enough. But the the, the state the BT statement, and it was very similar for the other stuff, and it starts off with. BT recognises the concerns raised by many of football's leading voices and fans and believes the formation of a European Super League could have a damaging effect to the long-term health of football in this country. As a sports broadcaster showing Premier League, UEFA Club Football and National League Football, as well as 
uh, been a lead partner for all the home nations football teams, we strongly believe that football makes a significantly positive contribution to people's lives at every level, and this needs to be protected. End of statement. Not a, but so we won't show it. It was a, this is what we think, but if it goes ahead, we're blatantly going to pick it up because we need someone to put on the telly. Like, it's, it's the most vanilla statement ever. It's, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, all right, thanks. Yeah, you've said nothing there. You've said a whole lot of nothing. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because they're, what they're saying is, it's bad, but you can guarantee there's a contract sitting in somebody's office that was already written up to get the TV rights for that. There will have already been a bidding war to get the TV rights, and they will have been involved in it. And the thing, that, was, that was part of the package, I think. So there was there was something that came out as as part of the deal where... There was an agreement that it was going to be streamed across a platform that was available in so many countries across the globe. Um, yeah. Now I can't remember exactly the partnership that it was, but obviously it will be shown through whatever network, and then of that network, the rights would be made available to the, the the TV partners in whatever country it sees fit. So obviously, like Sky over here. <coughs> RTL Zwei or whatever it is in France or Germany that always used to be the, the one back in the day. Um, <laughs> but like net, net, the, the thing is that Netflix and Amazon exactly. and whoever else want to get involved in this kind of stuff. And you was, know, Netflix is... Go sorry, sorry. I was just like, Netflix is just a worldwide company. So, you know, they, they spaff what? 10 billion on the European Super League you know you're going to get everybody you know you whack up your your Netflix subscriptions everywhere in the world has got their Netflix subscription and they're loving life one of the things that pissed me off the most and I think pissed off a lot of people was that obviously the um, the Real Madrid chairman Perez Florentino Perez came out with the uh, oh well kids these days that they, that they don't want to watch football for ninety minutes. They, they they can't keep they can't keep engaged for ninety minutes. So you know we we have to make we have to make you know we we have to make it known and, and we have to make changes accordingly and stuff like that. It's like so you're going to reduce the time of the games. Why? It's just why because as a as a society we're breeding ADHD. <laughs> but there was there was the point as well where he said like oh yeah kids can't kids can't stay sort of um, you know their attention span is not not garnered to a ninety minute match and then I think it was Stan Collymore or something put something out that said like oh yeah well we'll reduce the we'll reduce the game to ten minutes a half and then we'll just have like a a forty five minute half time shall we where we'll have like entertainers who come on and do a, a, a set for 45 minutes and just, you know, like, just uh, knock off and play FIFA for a bit instead on a big screen. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just bollocks. It's just, it, His best was, was it that 60% of the, of the demographic doesn't, you know, only 60% like football. You think, you know, I think someone said, think about, think about your mates at school in a group of 10 of you. Yeah, of course, there was four of you who didn't like football. 60% is a massive chunk of the demographic. There's loads of sports that love 60% of the demographic. But, you know, it's this kind of everybody's got to like football. 
You kind of turn around and you think, I don't like football all the time. No. You know, it's this curse that I'm kind of like, oh man, I better check on my team just to make myself miserable for the day. <laughs> but that's you know. the thing, isn't it? That, that's, that's where it just, it just drives you nuts because if it was a case of, so say for example the, t- the tables were turned and like Borough, Forest and Hull were in that position and they were like, they agreed to sign up to the Super League and it, and it went through and obviously we'd be like, oh for fuck's sake, I can't believe it's gone through but, like, but ingrained in us, we wouldn't be able to just switch off as, as like a sort of as an inbuilt nature, we'd still check to see the results. Maybe we'd boycott it and just like actively not watch, but we'd still like as an ingrained thing. You can't, you can't switch it off. You've, like, you've just described my entire football existence for the last. Us, well, like, yeah, I mean, that's true. But yeah. over the last, like over the last three years, trust me, I'd, I'd, I'd quite like to have switched off the fact that I'm a Borough fan because it's been absolutely desperate and stuff like that. But. You just can't. Like it's it, as much as much as you as much as you like the dewy redness of that. I'd, I'd much rather have that sort of that period of a couple of hours on a Saturday where they either piss me off or give me great happiness for two hours than just nothing and just an empty void or whatever. Well, that's it. You know, I've just I've just checked the Forest score there and we've scored a penalty <laughs> in the Latin like eight minutes this <laughs> way. I was getting one or two yeah. of Birmingham. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was quite funny. That the, pe- the penalty was scored in the 98th minute, and the uh, full time whistle was blown within seconds of that happening. So, but uh, it's just like it's it's the only thing in the world that I'm aware of off the top of my head that, that can make you thrilled one second and infuriated the next. And it's it's just part of parcel of it, I suppose. You know how Andy mentioned it. It was a quiet week. We've also skipped past the fact that Mourinho got fired as well. Oh God, yeah, that was that was obviously the, the. I mean that that one made no sense as well because they covered they covered that on Sky Sports. It was like if you had to pick a manager for a one-off game, he'd be up there in the top sort of two or three that you'd pick because you know that he's going to set up the team in a specific manner to manage that game. And if you look back over the last 10, 15, 20 years, he's the king of one-off situation game management. He absolutely is. If you just like look at like the sort of time when he's like taken like Chelsea into Europe and he's got a result, or he's taken United to Chelsea and got a result, or Inter to Chelsea and got a result. He's as a as a one-off game manager, he's he's one of, if not the best. And it's just very strange. I think they they said was it uh, they made a bit of a rod for their own back obviously they didn't want him they probably didn't want him past the end of the season anyway but if he was the uh, the manager that breaks the 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 trophy drought of the gods of the sort of painting himself into a corner where they can't sack him because he's brought them a trophy and they've sort of pulled the plug a bit preemptively i don't know it's and obviously there's like other stuff going on about apparently like he refused to take training that day and was mm. kicking up a fuss about kind of thing. I think they just got ideas above the station, aren't they? You know, clubs, isn't it? Newcastle South. I almost, uh, I almost hate to ask, but uh, was there anything else that happened in the last <laughs> week? <laughs> 
Yeah, like we said, there was the, the, the FA Cup semi-finals were sorted. Oh yeah, what happened there? We yeah, uh, we covered that we covered that about an hour ago, didn't we, I suppose. That kind of came and went really quickly. I had not a clue and you know, like most of my life I've been able to know when the FA Cup semi finals are and it was like I think I looked on BC, BBC Sport like on the Monday morning and it was like, Oh yeah, such a you know Leicester, Leicester and Man City. Leicester and Chelsea, sorry. See, I don't bloody well know. Well, um in the FA Cup final, I'm like, oh shit, right, okay then. Yeah, well I have to this this should be the point of the podcast where I'll have to apologise to the, uh, the the cookie cast listeners because we've we failed you. I'm, I'm really sorry. We, we we said that we'd cover the FA Cup all the way through, and, and we uh, we shat the bed. What can I say? I'm really sorry. Should have should have had it. Should have had it on the uh, on the predictions for this weekend. I'm, uh, I'm I'm sorry. If if you want, Andy, I'll tender my resignation now, and uh, Matt and Stu can take over. I was uh, just about to say. I mean, I mean, this is probably a good time to do it because I think I've got a couple of candidates lined up to uh, <laughs> to step into the breach. <laughs> New new podcast Tigers in the Forest. That's fine. <laughs> he's already he's only got a title lined up. I feel like this might have been written uh, written ahead of schedule somewhere. <laughs> let's let's dive into. Uh... Well, just before we go on to the next section, at least let's put it this way: as it currently stands, it's looking like we might get some games to go to. If we're allowed back into stadiums next season, let's let's cross the fingers, and that's that's four games at least for next season. Yeah, four. Yeah. So after six, after a a healthy amount of time, six. Uh, we move on to our next our our next segment, which is where we like to have a look at uh, can we guess what the games are going to be in 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 any given week, and then we look at what we think the games are going to be next week, and so on and so on and so on. Um, now, I never got uh, I never got corrected as to where, how many games there were to predict this week, so I've written down two. Uh, if that's not the case, then the book is currently wrong, and if I've picked the wrong teams, then, uh, you know, so be it. But that's getting ahead. Let's talk about last week and the predictions of said week. And I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, there's a twist in the tale this week. Obviously, we're going to talk Middlesbrough football, and uh, Middlesbrough took on Queen's Park Rangers, also known as QPR. Um, interesting, interesting the way this one played out. Uh, Is was, it? Wasn't it, Paul? I mean, not from not from the, the 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 Middlesbrough team perspective, but from a podcast predictions perspective, certainly. Uh, what was the score in this game? <laughs> Sadly. As uh, as viewers and listeners to the podcast will know, I uh, I'm on a bit of a roll at the minute, and uh, I, I I called another one bang on. Sadly, not the scorers, but you know, yes, I, I called it. I called a Middlesbrough one QPR two victory. Correct. Terrible. Uh, you you are absolutely nailed on with all of that. Uh, you did get the score bang on. 
Uh, you didn't, however, get any goal scorers. Do you know off the top of the head, off off the top of your head, who the goal scorers were? Um, I'm well. I'm annoyed because the first goal by QPR was scored by a centre half who basically just had the run of the park to absolutely smash one in from 25 yards, and um, for want of a better phrase, made me look a bit like a dicky. So, see what he did there, because that's that's his name. That's that's his name. It's <laughs> funny. Certainly it's is. funny. Um, the the other goal was scored. Uh, what I have written down here by Wallace. Oh yeah, the the other goal, the second goal by QPR was scored three minutes later. So a great a great three minutes uh, showing from by Borough there. You know, real real defensive solidarity. You know, for that three minutes. You know, basically just bend over and take it twice. You know, good there there, there we go lads, good lads. Yeah yeah, off we, off we go. Can the end of the season come pretty quick, please? Yes, yes, it can. Yeah, he was <laughs> uh, Who scored for Borough? Uh, it was a it was a, a consolation by a man who seems to be uh, up for sticking around, so to speak, uh, Yannick Balassi. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll be able to uh, work out some sort of deal to bring him back at the end of the season and get a full season's worth out of him because he looks like he's a, a cut above for that sort of uh, division, certainly. Um, I didn't take a single point out of this game because I had Middlesbrough down to win. Why, Andrew? Learn your lesson! And uh, I thought Britt might get in on the action knowing full well that he absolutely wasn't going to. So I just, I just like pissing points away. Just, uh, I just aim my points at the wall. Um, let's move swiftly on to a game where you and I were very much on the same page, unlike the teams in question. Uh, Rotherham United took on Birmingham City. You and I both had the same score. Both had the same goal scorer for one of the teams. Uh, different goal scorers for the other team. And uh, we were... Hella wrong. We were, we were that close. <sighs> I mean, right. yeah, if you like. Wrong, wrong's wrong in it. Uh, what was the score in this game? <laughs> it finished nil one to Birmingham. It did. Uh, obviously, uh, like I say, uh, we were on the same page for the Birmingham City goal scorer. So, uh, who actually scored that goal? I'm just checking out. Was it Harley Dean? It was. It was, yeah. yeah. It was not Dukovic's. Um, so, the the week gets split into two, but when we generally have like a, a total for the week. Uh, if anybody's keeping score at this point in time, Paul's on a princely two for the first half of the week. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, this guy, I love a bagel. I love a bagel. I'm not worried. Weirdly, not worried. <laughs> Let's talk Rotherham United taking on the mighty Borough. Whoa! Hang on a second. If we're going in chronological order, to be fair, yes, we 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 are going uh, we are going a little bit uh, horse before the cat. So instead, uh, I had a re- there was a reason to do it that way around. Well, no bollocks to it then. Fuck it. Obviously, no? you have to edit that for YouTube, but then let, let's cover the Borough game then. So, the Borough game was played this evening, as you can see from uh, that, that thing over there. It was. 
I I updated the book in in a previous podcast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Rotherham versus Middlesbrough. Uh, Borough travelled to the uh, New York Stadium to take on Rotherham. They started really well and conceded after three minutes. So well played, lads. Lovely stuff. Uh, it's a great. It's a great. Uh, it's a great start for the Borough. Um, for the second game in, in, in succession, they were they were playing against ten men. However, um, that's that's something we didn't cover in the QPR game. That the uh, QPR had their keeper sent off after sixty minutes, and Muddlesbrough couldn't score ten men for half an hour. So awesome, really good. Um, yeah, so Rotherham were one up after uh, three minutes with Angus McDonald scoring the goal. Indeed. However. This was the time that Borough decided to, uh, you know, strap on my big boy pants and get a result for a change. So they managed to uh, score two goals in the uh, as a reply to Rotherham. Uh, a strike in the 33rd minute by George Savile, and uh, a lovely, uh, a lovely goal in the Jimmy's grandson. Hey, <laughs> Jimmy's grandson. Oh God! <laughs> there was there was a game against Spurs in the cup. Where when fans were still in the uh, still out in the stadium, where as uh, as Borough were uh, having a corner and Spurs were defending, someone obviously a, a really sensible uh, lad from the Spurs fans decided to uh, shout Jimmy <laughs> as uh, as uh, George was in the box. So he just turned around to bat him and went Jimmy. But yeah, uh, the second goal for Borough was scored by the. Uh, the, the, the much maligned Tuba Akpom. Indeed, indeed. Sadly, from from the uh, the thoughts of this podcast, however, we, we at least fifty percent of us probably would have been happy with a Rotherham win. Yes. In hindsight, so. not from a bet. Not from a bet's perspective, from a pure let's get Derby down perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, both you and I had the Borough down to win. You a little more than me. Um, so, just a just a point a piece there. Um, Matt's turned into some kind of cow situation. <laughs> oh no, he's not a cow. He's he turned into a bed. <laughs> It's podcast after dark. <laughs> Turn on the disco ball and get the bass guitar out. Bow, bow. Bow, bow. Um, now, um, here's, here's, how things, here's how things go funny. Because if you remember, last week I picked a goal scorer who uh, you said, don't think he's going to play. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to pick somebody else. Tell you what, I'm going to put Chubber in. So, uh, and I think, if only it was recorded. Oh, wait, it was. Uh, you said, if Tav got a goal, I could have it. But if Chubba got a goal, I could also have it. So I'm having it. You know what, Andrew? Give yourself the point, lad. But it's fine, because you also picked uh, the old, uh, old Chubba to, to get a goal. So we both took a couple of cheeky points. So, there was a reason... To uh, to hold on to the Sheffield Wednesday Blackburn Rovers game. Oh yeah. Um, 
Some people with good memories might know why that is. Sheffield Wednesday took on Blackburn Rovers. Paul, what was the score in the game? Do you know what? I'm going to defer this one. I'm going to defer this one to Mr. Stuart Woodmansey, as he may have brought this up in a little group conversation the other day. I, I was I was pretty sure from listening to the podcast. Did, didn't didn't somebody pick Mr. Windass as a goal scorer? It sounds familiar. I just take the books to I have got Windass written down in my book. Mm. I have well, obviously that's a name that's prominent in this household anyway. So it kind of kind of rung a bell, and I was like, hmm, yeah, he's, 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 he's picked Windass. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he's picked Windass. And then uh, lo and behold, that was what was presented in front of me uh, when uh, watching the scores come in. So did it did it not finish? 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday with Mr Windass scoring the goal. Stu, you abs- you absolutely nailed it there. Um, uh, it was 1-0 Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Windass did score that goal. Uh, Paul, uh, you thought Blackburn were going to win 1-0. I thought Sheffield Wednesday was going to win 1-0. Wait, am I- hang on a minute. That's the actual score, so that's two points. Uh, and Stu, it was Windass that scored. So uh, I've, I've, oh, I've done a, I've done a Paul. I've done a I've done a Williams as it's known, and I ain't talking about destroying another man's toilet. I'm talking about <laughs> absolutely hitting the nail on the head. Two points for the correct score. One point for the goal scorer. Now then, now we're talking some turkey here because. Paul had two points from uh, from the from the first half of the week, and I had nothing, no point, no little pointy points. Paul managed to get uh, two points from the second half of the week. Uh, I got five points. <laughs> so what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, children of all ages, is uh, the winner for this week is this guy. <laughs> He's only got and done it. Stole it at the end. Um, I've had to make my, my book of predictions even bigger this week because uh, we've got more people. Um, but what's lucky, lucky for me and my you know OCD and you know everything on the same page and stuff is only two games to predict. Now then, if I've used my powers of deduction correctly, uh, those games are as follows. Middlesbrough versus Sheffield Wednesday. Paul, as it's your team, you get to go last. So, Stu, Matt, a gentleman's agreement between you on who would like to go first, please. Matt can take it. Unless he needs me to, I've got some down already. Yeah, you go. Okay. Um. Well, you know how that I like to make it so that I don't just predict Middlesbrough to win because you know why? Why would I do such a thing? Um, I'm I'm gonna securely sit my ass on the fence on this one and pick one all. I think that Wednesday need the points to stay up. Borough probably couldn't give a monkeys at this point in time, to be honest, but. I, I don't think it's... Uh, yeah, I'm going one all. Not, could not give any less of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> one, 
Who do you have down for scoring those goals? Um, I have Mr. Housen for the Borough. And, of course, I'm going to pick Windass again. Why would I not pick Windass for Wednesday? So, there we go. Stuff. Matthew. Hi, right, I'm going to go for... It's kind of trying to get a little reverse jinx going in. A 2-1 Sheffield Wednesday win. Interesting. I like it, Matthew. I like it. Goal scorers. Um, uh, I had to act to look, <laughs> and looking at. Luckily, I did look on the Middlesbrough thing because uh, obviously they said uh, some belonger and Fletcher are going to play again for you this season. <laughs> um, so I will go for uh, what was his name? The guy that scored tonight. Chuba. Uh, that's the one. Yeah, Akpom. For Burrett, and I'll go for a uh, Jordan Rhodes. And Windass to score for uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Okay, uh, I've got Borough down to win one nil. I've uh, I've got Watmore to score that goal. Paul, uh, I will follow in on Stu's prediction here. I will also go one one. However. I'm going to give you a, a new name for your book. Stick me down for Coburn to score for Borough. How are you spelling that, Paul? <laughs> Not C-O-C-K Burn, sadly. Uh, no, he's just C-O-B-U-R-N. Um, young lad, just come through the academy. Warnock seems quite Quite impressed with him, so between now and the end of the season, why not give him a couple of games, see if he's got something about him. They're losing two strikers, as Matt has just said, with uh, a somber longer and Fletcher being told their uh, services are no longer required, so to speak. I, uh, I'd i like to think that that's not how it was explained to him. I'd like to think that Warnock basically just went and said, just fuck off, just fuck off. <laughs> um, Amazing. I like how a £17 million striker is just <laughs> So What did we just talk about? To put, it, to, to, to put it in perspective, between those two, not even including wages and stuff, that's £22 million worth of striker that's just been told to get the fuck out, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> someone, I, saw, I, saw that, I saw that someone had put on Twitter, regardless of what... what what else comes out of this like this season? The main thing that Borough have to, have to do is they've got to rethink the recruitment process because they just the, the money they spend on players is just astronomically bad. Some very very bad transfer dealings as well. Um, so yeah, Coburn for Borough. Um, I'll go. I'll I'll go for Rhodes to score for Wednesday simply for the fact that when he was at Borough, he never scored at the Riverside. So. It, it, it's almost nailed on that he'll score at the weekend. Absolutely. So, uh, our second of two games, I've got down here as Luton Town versus Bristol City. Obviously my old stomping ground. Um, I've already gone in on the book. 
Um, have, have I got an offer of who would like to go first? Uh, again, I've got man written down if you want me go to. Go on, Stu. Um, two teams that I really could not give any less of a shit about. Um, thanks to Luton's history with the City and the division title at that promotion season. I'm just, yeah, just... I did think about putting nil nil, Paul, but then, I, but then I remembered that Luton actually score goals, so I'm just going to go for the one. So Luton one, uh, Bristol nil, and Loire Loire to score the goal. Andy, whilst you're there, I'll give you your odds. Go on. So Stu's so Stu's gone for a one one draw with Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday at five to one. A nil one. Luton Town win at Bristol City at six to one, so it gives Stuart Munsey a forty-one to one double. Lovely. Just give us two seconds to load Matt's Borough game in, and then I'll get his next one. So Matt went one-two, didn't he, for Borough uh, for Forest? Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> one of the three. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be one of those. It could be one of those lesser-known three-way games, apparently. <laughs> Triple threat match. That's, well, that's, that's, Daniel Bryan's getting involved. The European Super League. Um, go on, Matt. Tell us. Uh, tell us who you fancy for this. I've got two-nil Luton Town. Goal scorers. Collins. Jewsbury Hall just kind of sounds like a nice place to go. <laughs> I mean, like, as far as far as posh posh toffs go, he's got to be up there. I'd be amazed if he ever does a if he ever does a post like a post match interview and he's not like oh yeah yeah <laughs> they played they played so well yeah yeah. <laughs> You know what? Now that you've said that, I hope he's absolutely rough ass. <laughs> sounds just like Johnny Owson. Like he's from. <laughs> oh yeah, the oh, lads play. The lads play well. Oh, we're great. We're lovely. Oh, couldn't believe it. Uh, amazing. This for me is an. This for me is another situation. Oh, have you got odds there? Yes. So Matthews, uh, Middlesbrough one, Sheffield Wednesday slash Nottingham Forest two, uh, at ten to one. Uh, Bristol City nil, Luton Town two at eleven to one, gives him a double of one hundred and thirty-one to one. Let's hope that comes in, shall we? <laughs> um, yeah, this is another one of those situations where I wish uh, I, I'd have put my score in uh, after everyone else went because I've gone uh, Bristol City one, Luton Town nil. Hey ho, such is life. I've got Wells to score for that one. Uh, hey, there's there's no reason to say it couldn't happen, Andrew. Well, I mean, just have to cast your mind back to last week to see uh, how that worked All right, out. It can go. <laughs> well, it's not a competition. Oh wait, that's exactly what it is. It's exactly <laughs> the reason we're. <laughs> so Andrew has a pair of one nil home wins. Middlesbrough at eleven to two and Bristol City at six to one, giving him a double of forty four point five. Mm. Lovely. You. Uh, I'm uh, bringing up the rear, am I? You just need to uh, finish us off. <laughs> sure about that. I am. Let's do this. 
Uh, I will go for... Uh, I'll go 1-2. Bristol City 1, Luton Town 2. Goal scorers. Um, I'll go for Diedu for Bristol City. Mm. Uh, I'll have a little slice of the Collins action for one of Luton's goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just find another guy. I want to say Pell, but I don't know if that's right. And of course, my uh, phone isn't loading properly, so that's nice. Oh, 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 there we go. Oh, why not? Let's let's go for Umpanzu. Okay, that is the final prediction. Have you got some money for me? I do. So, as as previously discussed with Stu, was uh, Borough Wednesday one one draw at five to one. Um, a Bristol City one, Luton Town two at nine to one gives me a double of fifty nine to one. Lovely stuff. Okay, so with our bumper edition of the Riverside Roundup, drawing ever swiftly to a close. Uh, brings us to our second to last segment. Now, uh, this is a point in time where I encourage absolutely everybody to get involved with this, because I'm sick and tired of trawling through the deep dark depths of, uh, you know, of the, of the internet, or as it's known, I have to go down a back alley and talk to a guy who's wearing a flasher mac to get some juicy, juicy uh, football knowledge. Um, he, he's obviously chosen the right point in time to run off because um, this is he's the point where this is the point where we massage Paul's uh, Paul's. Paul's All about the hydration, Andrew. It I've, got is. Be, I've got to be hydrated it to is. take on this incredible. Incredible challenge that's, that's ahead of me. So, Paul knows absolutely every single thing that's ever happened in football and will ever happen in football. That's how his his knowledge level is at right now. That's where it is. That's where it is. He can see the future of football. So, each week, uh, I myself and others take on the challenge of trying to find one simple question that is in fact not as at all simple it's it's incredibly incredibly difficult uh one question one answer and uh this is a segment we call beat the jock now i've got to admit the task has become too big for one man so i got two other men to help me out and one of those men said andy Take the week off, mate. I've got this. I've got it covered. I'm going to take him down like a velociraptor taking down something from the side, you know. So, Stuart Woodmancy, if you please, sir, can you attempt to beat the jock? Okay, yeah. Fun, fun out of your area, Paul. So, I had a little look. 
and I trawled the depths and I tried to theme it maybe didn't quite go exactly but seeing as it has just been FA Cup weekend I've settled on this one in the end so last season eight FA Cup quarter finalists were all Premier League clubs but when was the last time that that happened prior to last season now is the question all Premier League clubs or is it all top flight clubs? Premier League clubs. Right, okay. So, as we all know, that means it's only occurred since 1992 when football was born. Yeah. Why, did you ask, why did you ask the other question? Because it didn't exist. I just had to, just had to check because I, I, I don't... Obviously... As as has been discussed on the podcast before, nothing happened before 1992. So I, I like to keep my football knowledge within that sort of scope. So that was that was good, good for me. <sighs> right, okay. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, the answer is essentially a season. But if you want to go ahead and give me the teams and the scores in the games as well, I have got that information. Also, if you can tell me what yeah. the uh, what the temperature of each individual pitch was, not the not the ambient temperature, the actual temperature of the ground at that point in time, that'd be good as well. Stu, refresh us on the actual question so that people at home can keep abreast of the situation. So last season. The eight FA Cup quarter finalists were all Premier League clubs. But prior to last season, when was the last time it happened? If anybody at home can hear a small ticking noise, that's Paul's brain right about now. The small ticking um, noise is the man that lives inside of Paul's head going like this through the filing cabinets going, <laughs> No! <laughs> no! Matt! Uh, is, is, is anyone else having a, having, a, having a thrash at this one? Or is it just me? Matt, any takers? I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely going to be loads of use at this one. Uh, 2006. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah? Yeah, cool. Sweet. Matt? I, I reckon it's probably happened more recent than that. 2011. So... So absolutely, the correct answer. Absolutely ridiculously, Andy has picked my year. Because <laughs> I was gonna basically, I've based it on the last time Borough made the semi-finals, which was two thousand and six. Um, so I'll go. I've got 2003. So those are all of your final answers. You're definitely not changing them from that time, yeah? Well, Paul, you maybe should have stuck with your uh, colleague there because Andy absolutely nailed it. Come on! <laughs> I am on a roll this week, kids. I am on a roll this week. Yeah, boy. So in in a week, 
where he only manages to get the score and the goal score right. He then also beats the jock without even asking a question. Nice work. <laughs> I was, was going to go for 2006, you fucker. You could have still gone for it. Nobody said you couldn't. If, nah, if, not... if you had a settled on 2006, I was going to ask you for the teams and the scores. Right, okay. you... so I can't, you the, I can't give you the scores, but I can I can try and do my best. So I know that Borough beat Charlton in one yep. of the quarterfinals. I think it was 3-1. 4-2. Yep, got that one right. Um, <laughs> I know that the other semi-final was Chelsea versus Liverpool. Yep, that's two more of the teams from the eight. Arsenal probably would have been there somewhere. Nope. No, fucker. Man United? Nope. He's just spinning out of control now. I don't know. West Ham. Obviously, West Ham beat Borough in the, uh, the other semi final. Yep, West Ham was one of the teams. <sighs> Reading? Nope. Do you, want some clue, do you want some clues or are we not at that stage for you? So all Premier League teams, 2006. What about uh, Newcastle? Yep, that was one of them. Who beat Newcastle? Chelsea. Ha! Good old Chelsea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Newcastle, Chelsea... I think he secretly knew that. I think he just wanted me to tell everybody that Newcastle he, lost he, again. He, listen, he absolutely listen, everyone knows it. there's a couple of days that you look forward to. Fixture release day, Christmas day, Newcastle getting knocked out of every potential cup competition <laughs> day because it means they're going to go another season without winning a, without winning a trophy, which, is, which, which must be difficult for them because they are such a massive club. So, you know, it's... It's hard. It's hard for him, you know. Must so, be hard being such a massive club. So you got this for the for the European Super League. Mm. So you got Middlesbrough, you got Charlton, you got West Ham, you got Chelsea, Newcastle, and Liverpool. So there are two teams left. One of them played West Ham, and one of them played Liverpool. One of them, I say played Liverpool, probably shouldn't have bothered. <laughs> so it was a bit of a, a bit of a pasting then. Villa? Nope. Are we? Are we are, shall I? Shall I tell you? Portsmouth. Yeah, I think I've basically named ten Premier League clubs now. So okay. Yeah, so the the I think that would that the Liverpool the the team that played Liverpool was particularly tricky because it was Birmingham that's a bit of a sort of a lower down one um, and the team that West Ham beat to get through was Manchester City uh, so yeah wow. so I can't even give you half a point Andy just steals all the spoils on this occasion <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you really if you really want to boil it down I'm just trying to think of the the Borough players who scored in that four two against Charlton. Oh, well, 
this the four goals are listed against Middlesbrough here, so two of them must have been scored by Charlton players at least. Huh? Own goals, obviously. But we don't score four without help, do they? Come on. Well, no, but <laughs> hey, I'll tell you something. I didn't I didn't think that Pools had it in them to score seven, but they did that on Saturday. Uh, away against Weld, uh, Wieldston. And then Wieldston played Maidenhead two days later, or three days later, sorry, on the sat on, on, on the Tuesday, uh, and, and got beat 6-0. So within the space of two days, at two home games, they conceded 13 goals. Unlucky for some. I bet, I bet Pierce wasn't happy about that. What I say? Because that's... Oh, hello, what's happened here? You went oh, and you came back. Um, oh, I'm on again. That's where Pierce started, wasn't it? Wieldston. Yeah, that's where, yeah. That's where he was a uh, part-time electrician, part-time footballer. So, the uh, that proves that it's not impossible to beat the jock. And he's uh, frozen in time <laughs> with defeat. Uh, it feels like it feels like it feels like an episode of nightmare. Um, at this point in time, I will bring us finally to our last segment, a little one we like to call "Any Other Business." Gentlemen, is there any other business? If I'm, if I'm still here, no. But I buy it. I'm only going to say I just obviously really want Hull to win this weekend. <laughs> Despite what we've said about the owners, yes. we can can win this weekend. Yes. We, we might we, actually have a championship we, side again. So come on. We should have. We should have. We should have designated. Ah, oh. uh, he's gone. Yeah. Paul Paul's obviously deep into the filming of the latest episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> he's back. Matt, did you have something? Yeah, it was just I think I, I've seen it a few times on the like on on the internet, like social media and stuff over the past few weeks of like terminally ill kind of uh, supporters not being allowed into the grounds with all this COVID stuff um, to go and see their teams one last time. I think it's a real shame that people wouldn't allow allow them, particularly when you're sitting there watching and there's Gareth Southgate who has nothing to do with either clubs that are playing. And uh, and he sat there in the crowd, so we we can make allowances for people who could watch the games on the ground. I think it's a real shame that there wasn't like something that they could have been done for these people to go and see, to go and see the clubs one last time. I think it's it's a real shame kind of thing. There was a there was a guy, a Forest guy, who they kind of really tried to work it round and stuff like that, and it just in the end he was just like that's just not going to happen because. It's horrible because he's like, well, you know, it's like two weeks till the next game, but in two weeks' time, I'm probably not going to be able to leave the house. And I just think you see it with quite a few kind of supporters and stuff like that. And um, I know, I know, like when Helen was working in palliative care, like kind of, I take the Mickey out of Newcastle all the time. But this guy wanted to take his son just to to a game, kind of thing before he passed away, and they had like ten tickets. And it was just great, and it's just a shame that things like that couldn't have been done. It's a shame in the situation that they've had to be put into that situation, but I think it's also a shame that the FA and the government and the clubs couldn't do more to kind of think when you sit there and you're like, 
Well, Gareth Southgate isn't manager of either of those clubs, so why the fuck is he there? Kind of thing. A bit of common sense wouldn't go amiss there, would it? I mean, it's so easy. The amount of seats they've got in the stadium where they could just basically distance them, it's it's not even an issue, is it? I mean, it's, it's not like it's not like places might even have a box that they could seal off. Well, exactly, get, exactly. You know. Wait, I don't want to be a downer, but I just thought it was just something that I kind no, of it's, it's, it's a valid. It, you know, it it is a bit of a downer, but it's an absolutely valid point. You know, these are these are the things that they should be looking at doing at times like this. But I just thought it was massively egregious when you sat there and Gareth Southgate's been at like three or four different matches that you've seen over like four days, and you think. Hang on, that's, that's bullshit, that. Well, I mean, you'd like to think in that sort of regard, he's had, he's had to at least do lateral flow tests or whatever and provide a negative... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A negative test result to be able to go to the game. I mean, whether that's been the case or not, but you'd like to think that's at least some sort of proviso that they've had to give out and stuff. But Oh, definitely. Not great, not great. <sighs> Well, gentlemen, um, thank you all for joining uh, me and uh, and Mr. Williams here today on the uh, on the Riverside Roundup. Uh, obviously, keep the Twitter poll going. Uh, hashtag and and like for uh, Stu to be the uh, the new co-host. But uh, you know, a new player enters the arena. Uh, it's so. So it's likes for Stu. Likes for Stu. Hearts Retweet for, for Matt. Hearts for Matt. Like you know, likes for Stu. Right, okay. Um, and yeah, you know, poll poll closes poll closes soon. Uh, so and get has, get your votes. I, I, in. I Boris just to just to get rid of poll completely. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's that's a, that is another option. Just basically just. <laughs> Just, just tweet Andy mercilessly, just saying, just, just kick him off. He's, he's, he's terrible. He's, he's worthless. I mean, you know, the, the, the jock mantle's a bit skewy at the moment, but sure, I'm sure next week will be, will be much better. Look at it this way, Paul. You avoided a "Who am I?" question from, uh, from my, from my camp because I know how much you love them. Hey, you lied to me. You said you've got you've got like a, a smallest grounds in the world question lined up absolutely. for the past eight weeks. I away. absolutely have, and I, I've got it on the back burner because every week I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll just give that one a try. I'm waiting for the week where I I honestly can't find one, and then I have to go in with the uh, with the small name name the ten smallest stadiums in the world. Right, thank you very much, gentlemen. I uh, I thoroughly appreciate uh, you all joining me and Mr. Williams in uh, in what can only be a bumper edition of the Riverside Roundup. Thank you very much, and I'll see you all later. Bye bye. So there we go. What do you think to that? What a week! What a crazy, crazy week of football. Big thanks to Stu and Matt helping out me and Paul with the uh, with the podcast there. It's a big help. Speaking of helping, if you're watching us on YouTube, you could uh, subscribe and help us out. And if you're already subscribing, you could uh, get a friend or a family member to do the same. If you just like your audio, that's fine. But you can also subscribe, so give that a whirl. That's it for this one. Till next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Bye-bye.